On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. I covered a whole slew of technical changes that will definitely impact marketers coming to Chrome. Google's desktop SERPs are getting a makeover. Shep talked about the Duggars again, and I had to cut her off before she named them all. And Google came out with another really boring algorithm name, and Greg made the horrible mistake of confusing Star Trek and Star Wars. The same thing. They're both of ships. <laughs> all on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal podcast network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios, located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Christine Zernhelm. AKA Shep. And I'm Jess Bud. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on January 17th, 2020. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. We read all the news. So you don't have to. So what's up, y'all? What's going on with you, four eyes? <laughs> <laughs> Lots, man. <laughs> Taking care of my body, my chicken, and my mentals over here. Your chicken? <laughs> yeah, my chicken. What does that mean? You're taking it's care a, of your it's chicken. A sport. I thought you were a sports bud. It's I, a sports thing. Yeah, but a sport chicken. That's it's what Marshawn Lynch told everybody after his losing effort. That it was a chicken? No, your chicken is like your money, your nest egg. Oh, all right. That's a thinker, but I'll give it to him. I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, if you want to see me in all of my four-eyed glory, Shep is all about town talking about getting people to watch us on YouTube. <laughs> Search for Marketing O'Clock or go to the Cypress North channel and you can see us do this here on the show. Additionally, we've got some housekeeping before we get to our show. We got a review, a fantastic review. Actually, it's a four-star review, but it might be the most helpful review. And folks, this is how we review if you're going to say something. And this came from Vmaz. And again, didn't trash us. Four-star review. This is perfect. There are some weeks when I'm too busy with projects to read all the latest news and pull out the relevant details. This podcast allows me to get an overview of the most important SEO news, whether or not I've had time that week to read it myself. It's reassuring to know that I won't miss anything big if I tune in weekly. Great. A, thank you. Mm -hmm. And then B, here's the part where we get some value from it. Love the team. Fun to listen to. My only complaint is the smoke and audio volume. I have to turn the AirPods volume to Max and ordered here Greg's nasally voice. I had a nasally <laughs> answer. <laughs> I did that. Don't make him feel Pe bad. Periodically throughout the episodes. This is particularly frustrating when listening while walking on a busy street. Would love to see that remedied. Otherwise, awesome show, guys. So A, thanks. B, we've taken to the streets to fix this. Good so work. hopefully, if you're listening to this in podcast form, it sounds a lot better than it did in 2019. And VMOS, thanks for the review. Shoot us a, a note on marketingclock.com. Go to the About Us. You can leave an anonymous note and let us know how we're doing. Thanks for that review. And this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock is brought to you by Ahrefs. Whether you work for a big brand, run your own small business, or do freelance work, getting traffic to your website is always an issue. Ahrefs is an all-in-one SEO tool set that solves that problem. It gives you the tools you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. Want to learn more? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And they have a seven-day trial for only $7. Quick math in my head here. That's like a dollar a day. So head over to Ahrefs to sign up. That is A-H-R-E-F-S dot com to sign up. Seven days, seven bucks. Give it a whirl. And today's show is also sponsored by Optio. Optio helps Google Ads managers automate time-consuming manual tasks so they can spend more time on high-level strategy and creative work. Optimize accounts, monitor performance, track budgets, and get alerts when important changes happen. Right now, our listeners, and only our listeners, how dare you try to take this if you aren't a listener, but you can get a six-week free trial of Optio. Go to optio.com forward slash sej. That is O-P-T-E-O dot -E com forward slash S-E-J to get started. Other folks get 30 days. Our listeners, six-week free trial of Optio. Thanks to our sponsors this week, and we'll dive into some features that can help you later out in the show. 
All right, getting into the news. First up, Google Search is getting a more consistent look across devices. Elements of the existing mobile look for both paid and organic results are being rolled out for desktop this week. So it's a little bit of a game of who wore it best. Ooh, a little <laughs> facelift. Or facelift. <laughs> High fashion stuff, Greg. Yeah, as long as it's not a filter that promotes a facelift, because that is not allowed. Yeah. Or Instagram a deep fake. no to that. Yeah. Or a deep fake, correct. <laughs> just, a, just a little of li- real lifts. Not a fake facelift or a deep fake facelift. It's a mouthful. Tongue twister. Say it five times fast. <laughs> so if anyone wants to check out what it looks like, Danny Sullivan shared a mop- mock-up of the new design on his at search liaison handle on Twitter. So it features the bold black ad label on paid results rather than the green box that you're used to seeing on desktop, as well as a change in the location for the display URL. It's now going to be above the headline of the ad rather than below. And the organic results will also have the URL above the blue link and feature favicons next to the URL, which is nice little branding touch. It's cute. I think we liked that when it came out on mobile and Mm -hmm. happy to see it on desktop. We liked it as advertisers. Absolutely. (laughs) As users. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we talked quite a bit about that back when it happened that it, it, the black, I mean, it does, it's not even in a box. It just says ad. It's bold. Everybody's seen it now because it's been out for a while on mobile. But I like the fact that it's on desktop now because I think before when you would go back and forth between desktop and mobile, you would go from that green, clearly labeled in a little box ad label to something a little more discreet on mobile. And I feel like now that it's consistent, at least people might be a little bit more savvy to it. So I agree. Yeah. And don't get it twisted. This isn't just to put favicons in organic. It's to make ads look more organic. That's the reality of it, and it's a great job of doing that. Everything looks very, very similar now. Yes, it does. I appreciate the consistency, though. So advertisers out there, especially that are listening, pay attention for potential swings in performance on your desktop ad traffic. Look out. This and organic people. Well, yeah, See if you're sure. if you're now getting a lower number of clicks per impressions in Search Console and take a look at it. Okay, next up is a monster group of stories from Chrome. And I'm going to try to make this as entertaining as possible, but there's a lot here and it boils down to four new changes in Chrome. So first up, they're getting rid of Chrome apps. I didn't say extensions, I said apps. So you can now pretty much do everything based on the web. And they cited that if you look at Google Earth now, it's all web-based. So you don't really need Chrome apps that much. So we can just get past that one because it starts to get pretty complex. And I'm not going to go a full-on deep dive here. We're just hitting the beats. We're playing the hits, greatest hits album here. (laughs) So next up, Google is phasing out user agent strings in Chrome. And this is that piece of text that will be passed through that browsers send to websites when they initiate that connection. So it's going to be phased out, and what's going to be replacing those UA strings is something called client hints. And this is a mechanism through which websites can request information about a user, but without the historical baggage and passive fingerprinting surface exposed by the venerable user agent header, according to Google. (laughs) So as Google had promised, they were going to start integrating items from the privacy sandbox that they announced last summer. And this is the first thing. And I'm going to talk about a little bit more to come. But now they're acting on it. It is no longer a hint for you clients. All right. And the third point of information that Google gave us on Chrome this week was that yesterday Google came out with a new cookie, a same site equals none cookie. Are there raisins? Yes. Raisins (laughs) in this one. Um, And in May, Google announced a secure by default model for cookies that enabled by a new classification system for those cookies. We talked about it last episode about that new approach. And here's the cliff notes. Same site attribute allows you to declare if your cookie should be restricted to first party or same site context. And yesterday, there was that announcement of the new cookie that is the same site equals none attribute. And if the same site none attribute is present, an additional secure attribute must be used. So cross-site cookies can only be accessed over secure connections. Um, So this is good for two reasons, the immediate security benefits, and then this is something that Google said, not me, I would never say this. (laughs) The explicit declaration of cross-site cookies enables greater transparency and user choice. And the example they used was, browsers could offer fine-grained controls to manage cookies that are only accessed by a single site separately from cookies accessed across multiple sites. There's the raisin. The raisin. (laughs) I 
understand there's some very specific nerds out there that are very diligent on their cookie clearing and cookie preferences. Can you imagine just the normal person that's all out there fine-graining their cookie controls? No, no. <laughs> no, no. But I just love it. Like there's just going to be people spending their Saturday tuning up those cookies. Put it in your calendar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. And lastly, the biggest piece of news from Chrome this week, programmatic, more like problematic <laughs> so good luck all you programmatic companies like a raisin cookie in shep's pantry you might be out of luck chrome is phasing out support for third-party cookies in chrome their intention to do it in two years and they say justin show director of chrome engineering that we are confident mechanisms like the privacy sandbox can sustain a healthy ad-supported web in a way that will render third-party cookies obsolete. So by the end of the year, the Google tr Chrome team will begin trials that allow for click-based conversion measure measurement without third-party cookies. So they're going to be tracked within the browser, not by those cookies. This is huge news for advertisers. This is very much a stay-tuned for us, but there's a variety of programmatic, all these different parties. That anybody that uses third-party cookies, it's a world of pain for them <laughs> coming. And the other thing that really brought me, not, not joy, that I was just perplexed, that you make this announcement, this is coming within two years. Allison Schiff over at AdExchanger had a great article. It was called, What's in Google's Privacy Sandbox? nothing for now and she took a look at like how they're going to replace these cookies and she covered flock pigeon trust token willful blindness and more but basically there is no answer at the moment there's no answer for how this tracking will be implemented there's just a bunch of ideas and a bunch of things in github out there so then kirk williams pbc kirk on twitter had a good tweet and he said the sound you hear is google execs crowing with delight that they can kill retargeting companies under the guise of privacy and thus move everyone solely to Google for remarketing. I think that the Google remarketing is technically a third-party cookie and analytics is a first-party cookie, but that's besides the point <laughs> because I'm almost done, I promise. Now you have your glasses. You're getting so technical. I know. Look, how am I supposed to cover all this? There's so much information here, and it's important for you, the advertiser, and for you, the webmaster. Some of these programmatic sites, like Acridio, is down 20% since Monday, and that's as of Thursday when we recorded. Wow. So they're taking a beating, a lot of these companies, and for good reason. You know, If you lose this ability to track, it's going to be a problem. A lot of news in Chrome. Head over to marketingclock.com because I am done with this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I have some news I think you might like, Greg, and all Please, retailers. hit me. Okay. Google is rolling out a new organic popular products listing feature in mobile search results. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So this is limited to apparel and accessories right now, but users will be able to search for products and filter by style, department, and size type and see multiple images of the product. When it's time to decide to buy or you want more information, you'll be able to click through to the retailer's website and Google will also uncover all the stores that carry the item so you can buy it from the retailer of your choice. Google also says they will pull in product reviews to help users make decisions and they said to make this feature possible, Google indexes and organizes products from over a million online shops and updates this information regularly. So they don't say anything about paying in there, which is how it used to be. So this is awesome. And it's the first time that we've been able to have product listings in the search results without paying, which is going to be better for the user experience as well as the retailers. Well, it used to be free back when it was frugal and then it turned into Google shopping. Oh, first, first time in a long time. Sorry. First time in a long time. Yep. First time since I've been in digital marketing. Sorry. I'm, just being, I'm just being so selfish here. Well, no. I just, Greg, you have been so angry at Google Shopping for so long. It's like yeah, a just recurring be happy. theme on the show. Yeah. I, I am I'm elated. <laughs> I'm elated. I just want people to yeah. know that this is this is one step closer to having what people want. People want the ability to be able to view products and not just be an ad only. It was option. such a bad experience before. Like I never used Google Shopping. Well, it never. still is different. That's the one note. Google Shopping is still different than products being pulled into right. mobile. So it's one step forward. It's something that's greatly appreciated. <laughs> and as much as I like that, Danny Sullivan is the one that's always been the champion for this, that paid inclusion is a bad idea. And this is a step towards servicing products for things that match. And that's what customers want. So 
Good job to Google. We love it. And we have some information in the show notes if you guys want to look into it about how to make sure you're eligible for services across Google, which is how this is powered. Great news for everyone, maybe except for Jeff Bezos. More on that later. What else is going on this week? (laughs) So this uh, next piece of news does have to do with ads, but it is about Google being more helpful to everyone. So we'll stick with the positive vibes here. More insights are coming to folks that use smart bidding strategies in Google ads. The bid and budget simulators are being extended out to new campaign types. Previously, they were not available for everything and they're still not, but uh, this is expanding. So For those that don't know, these tools use campaigns, historical performance data to project the impact of changes that you make to bids or budgets, respectively. So you can look at things like how your click volume will change, what it's going to cost you additionally per week, and any changes in conversions. So who's getting what with this? The bid simulator tool will now be available for target ROAS campaigns in addition to the target CPA and manual CPC where it's currently supported now. So that's exciting. And if you're a fan of maximized clicks, first of all, shame on you. Um, (laughs) If Well, I mean. Take a seat, folks. (laughs) (laughs) If you do use it, you'll be excited to know that for maximized clicks as well as maximized conversions campaigns, the budget simulator is now going to be available to you. So dear listeners, obviously you still want to test all of your changes with caution. These are just estimates from Google, and as the lawyer commercials always say, past results are not indicative of future, whatever. But having these bid simulators and budget simulators available for more campaign types is nice. Who doesn't want more information when they're trying to decide what changes to make? I think it's great. Do you know how everybody makes fun of the lawyers for all that quick, that micro-machine speak or whatever at the end? (laughs) Yeah. It's now, it should be changed. It should now be all those pharmaceuticals. Those pharmaceutical commercials are like things of nightmares. And you think about how you have to pay for the time of the ad, and it's like all just that quick speak. It's 75% of how you're going to die from taking this pill. That's what it is. It's 75% of what uh, the different ways you're going to die from Yeah, like, oh, you got a skin rash? Well, you might die of dysentery if you take that. I don't know if it gives you dysentery. You know what I mean. Symptoms, bad symptoms. All right. And lastly, in our main news, well, not lastly, I guess second to last, this is a doozy of a week. Mm-hmm. There is a new Google update and they gave it a great name. Google January 2020 core update. Inspiring. <laughs> Anytime there's a core update, it's a big update, international update, and it should affect a lot of sites. I'm going to pull this from an article Barry Schwartz put together. And he said that Brett Tabke from PubCon Lore wants to name this one Update Picard, but I don't think it will stick since Google has named it January 2020 Core Update. Folks, up, we're going to make it stick. This is the Picard Update, probably because that Star Wars movie just came out. What is I know yeah, Star Wars, but Picard? I don't know Picard. It was the captain in the ship. Uh, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> There's a lot of captains. What? Pa- Patrick Stewart. Patrick St- Rod Stewart? No, uh, related, <laughs> but similar. Patrick Stewart. No, this is Star Trek, Greg. It's the you same thing. Don't get it twisted. Oh, no, no that's it's the totally one with the guy that goes. Don't get it twisted. It's not that. It's not that guy. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, it doesn't seem like this algo update is going to a place that no man has gone before. It appears that it is going to be hitting health, health, finance, and some of the other things that we've seen on some of the past updates. If you're looking for what's going on. I would just check out at Glenn Gabe on Twitter, at Lily Ray, and saw at KCG, front of the show, the finest export from Avon since Tom Walls. She had a good case study. Well, I guess she didn't share it, but something recovered really well. So (laughs) shouts to Casey. We'll keep you updated here, and we may have a new segment coming on the show as well. Yeah, I have a new segment, and I'm going to call it Stephen John's 21 Saw It First. Tw- <laughs> and reported it on Twitter. 21 got another one? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's such a good name. Okay. So this time he saw an exciting new Google Ads reporting feature in his account, Custom Dimensions. And this isn't everywhere yet. It's in beta. I don't have it in my accounts, but they're introducing primary and secondary dimensions. And this is a tool for annotating your campaigns and grouping certain campaigns together. They compare it to a label, but it's kind of like a super label that you can pull into your reports. As a really basic example... I was going to do cookies, but we already talked about cookies. No more cookies okay. ever. You're a well-known wine shipping company. It's wow. dry January here. I got wine on the brain. <laughs> so you probably want to look at your Google Ads campaign by branded and unbranded keywords, but you might also want to look at it by product category. So people searching for Chardonnay or like a nice Cabernet. Can you search by Oaky Chardonnay? Yes. Okay. 
Okay, after birth, as they say <laughs> in the office. <laughs> so you could make your primary dimension a branded or non-branded campaign. So you could break them out that way. And then you could make your secondary dimension your product category. So you could have your Cabernet and then you could have your Chardonnay. And when you pull it into your report, you would see that like nobody's looking for Chardonnay because it's not very good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's a lot of fire on this table here today. So this is a lot. It's really advanced. And honestly, it's hard to understand if you don't look at it visually. So we will link to it in the show notes. But I'm excited about this. I hope I get in the beta soon. Well, I'm drinking this month, so maybe I'll have a Chardonnay when I get home in your honor. <laughs> I know oh, you, you like Chardonnay. You're wet January? Yeah, I had a, a dry like January through September of 2019, so I'm just skipping that whole thing this year. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. This week's take of the week is maybe our first ever post. It comes mm. from Pauline Jacober. The name of the article is, Do You Really Want 100% Google Ads Optimization Score? <laughs> and she put this post out on Search Engine Journal, and it is phenomenal. I had no idea people thought this way, but she starts about a client that came to her with a new goal. And she said he wanted to get his Google Ads Optimization Score to 100%. What a stupid goal. I want to know why. I have no idea. Your goal should be, I would like more money, please. I would like more profitability or I'd like both. Is he like insider trading with Google or something? I What this person does for a living is really sad. And I, I think he just wanted to get a 100 on something and smile. So what, what she said is he wanted to get his Google Ads optimization score up to 100. This isn't something we typically hear from clients. You think. Okay. <laughs> so then she said, we cautioned him that we need to go slow. He had over 200 campaigns and we'd only start with a few. Why our hesitation? Because whenever we've implemented Google Ads recommendations in the past, we've had mixed results. And that's fair. Some mm -hmm. things can be good. Some things can be bad. 100% seems ridiculous. So she said, is a 100% optimization score a good or useful goal? I would say not. And she went through all these different tests. And one of the things that had happened was she turned one campaign up and it jumped substantially, like 43%. Surprising. Google's recommendation made them more money. Weird. <laughs> um, but in general, she said, most accounts have an average optimization score of about 80%, which sounds right to me. She couldn't complete the test because they were going to go out of business spending money with Google Ads. Yeah. That, that, I added that in. But that's <laughs> basically what would have happened if all 200 campaigns started spending 43% more. This is the take of the week. She says, as always, whenever Google recommends something, don't trust it. Test it. Ooh. Boom. Mic drop. I like that. So what was their business? I didn't see that part. Oh, you didn't? I'll just read the quote. Our client provides at-home euthanasia services for ailing pets. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's how she described it. It's really sad. I feel like, yeah, he, the guy wants to get hard. Guy or gal. Wants but can you imagine the Google just, Ads recommendation on there? It's no. It's be like euthanasia humans. And we're like, oh! Right? Well, one of the recommendations <laughs> was for price extensions, which yeah. she said that didn't really make sense. But an oh, And it was super untasteful, which yeah. is like why you don't ever want 100% just to get 100%. Yeah. Have some decorum, Google Ads recommendation. <laughs> All right, next up, we have a new segment. The segment is called I See Why Am I, where we highlight something that you may not have seen throughout the week. And this week's I See Why Am I comes from Marie Haynes, at Marie underscore Haynes on Twitter, who also has, from what I hear, a, pay, a fantastic paid newsletter. So check that out. But the tweet was a screen grab. And check it out over on marketingclock.com or searchenginejournal.com. Josh Funk, I believe was his name, had asked Danny Sullivan a question. Danny Sullivan of Google a question to his Danny Sullivan account and his at search liaison account because Danny has two. Danny replied, at Google My Biz might be able to help trying to show Josh where to go. So then a reply came to Danny and it was Google My Business at Google My Biz. They said, hi Danny, we have reached out to you via DM. We are happy to assist you there, dash Lena. <laughs> it's just sad because it's like Josh knew better than Danny what the support is like. And then I saw a tweet from Dr. Pete Myers at Dr. Pete on Twitter, and he said, this is the most succinct summary of Google customer service that I've ever seen. It's so sad. So I see why am I. Check that out. 
Thank you, Marie. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts, paid, organic, and social. This week's paid lightning round is brought to you by Optio. Optio makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic or creative work or maybe writing price extensions. Whether you work in an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. Shep, how do you use Optio? So we've been talking the last couple of weeks about Optio's pause ad recommendations, and I want to continue on that because Optio determines performance of ads a little differently than Google Ads does. So instead of looking at click-through rates, by default, they look at conversion per impression. Which is genius. Yes. I was going to say, in my humble opinion, (laughs) I think makes a lot more sense for most accounts than click-through rates. So I think this is awesome, but if you disagree, you can still tell Optio in your settings that you want them to look at CTR. Again, they're not just blindly making recommendations like the Google Ads optimization score does. They take into your account and your goals when they're considering these things. Somebody should, that, maybe we write that score. How do you get a 100 Optio score? I don't <laughs> want that 100 Google oh, ads There's score. a scorecard tab too. Oh, we'll I get into well that aware. in the future. I'm well aware. <laughs> okay. And to learn more and get a six-week free trial, go to optio.com forward slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com forward slash S-E-J. Here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. Last week, we reported some changes to Facebook's ad policies, and this week, Facebook director of product Rob Leathern took to Twitter to give some more details, specifically about the announcement that users would be able to opt out of being targeted for ads because they were part of a custom audience from a list. Users will be able to set these preferences under settings, then preferences, then advertisers and businesses. They're trying to make the hierarchy of business accounts and pages really clear to Facebook users here. To do this, they are using everyone's favorite fictional market, Jasper's. Yes, I love <laughs> Jasper's. Jasper's is back. I miss Jasper's. <laughs> so in this example, the business account is Jasper's Enterprises. They're a real empire now. Mm, and I love it. Yeah. So then under that, <laughs> they have Jasper's Enterprise who uploaded this list to make a custom audience. And then under that, they have Jasper's Market and Jasper's Tools. Do you know about the warranty on those tools? <laughs> What is the joke no. here? I'm trying to What's get the warranty. Did you see it in one of their targeted ads? No, it's a fake company. <laughs> Just making a joke. <laughs> I like how Rob in, in his he had a big tweet thread and he's like Jasper's a hypothetical. Yeah, store it's like or we know. Like that. It's Jasper's. <laughs> Come on. Okay, so Jasper's Market and Jasper's Tools are both using this list, and the Facebook user can see that in this tab, and they can press Don't Allow if they want to, and they won't be part of this list anymore, and they won't be targeted by either of those companies. So you have to do it on like. You can do the whole business account or you can do it on a page basis. And it really helps to see this. So yeah. again, check the show notes for more information on it. Did you talk about Jasper's gyms? No. So then okay, they exclude underneath, part. they're excluding this user from the Jasper's gym campaign. So I'm thinking the person was maybe like at Jasper's market, picked up some Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> Cheetos and, and a hammer? Yeah. So Jasper's, that's, that's Jasper's tools, Jasper. Keep it straight. So then Jasper's gym is like, why would we waste you know, our ad spend on these users? We're yeah, going to exclude them. Cheetos. But maybe you like the Cheetos and the gym, so you can press don't allow and you can opt back in to Jasper's gym. That's an option to you. All the more reason to go to the gym if you're out there eating Cheetos, right? (laughs) There's a flip side to everything. Right. And then under that, you'll be able to get in touch with the business page to see why you're on the list and view their privacy policy if you want more information. I really loved what he put at the end here. He said, as I've been testing the tool, I've made myself eligible for ads from a few advertisers where I used to be a a customer a few years ago, but I might sign up again, exclamation point. So (laughs) he doesn't want to be excluded from their list. (laughs) That like goes with the cookie example. Like why would anyone go around, look to see who they're excluded from and opt back in? People got lots of time, I guess. Lots of time. Yeah. So that was really what this whole thread was about was just like, don't opt out. You don't want to be excluded. And and you're seen. Mm -hmm. You can be seen. Mm -hmm. Everything you do is completely visible. So if you are one of the the people doing unsavory things with these lists, that time is coming past. Yeah. And I highly recommend looking at these preferences and seeing the list you're on already because I had some really surprising ones. 
One was about like West Virginia citizens. <laughs> I'm not. It's sort of you. <laughs> no, I used to be from Virginia. I mean, similar. It's very different from West Virginia. It's just different. a little bit to the left, I think. <laughs> not quite. So next, the Google Ad Manager API. Listen up, people. API V201902 is being subset on February 28th, 2020. So if you use Google Ad Manager, check the link in the show notes for more details and you can read that number for yourself <laughs> on how to upgrade to the latest API release. It's a lot of numbers there. Yeah. And in other breaking news, it's 2020 and people are putting emojis in their Google Ads display URLs. So Rusty Brick reported on a really fun example here where someone was looking up avocado recipes and the second result has a tomato first. I don't know why they didn't put the avocado first, but it's tomato, avocado, and watermelon at the end of the That URL. sounds like a disgusting recipe. Yeah. yeah. Tomato, <laughs> avocado, watermelon? One Actually, of these things is not I'm like the other. About, I don't know if I hate it. Ew. Maybe you put a little feta in there. Yeah. And some raisins. Like some salt. Lots of raisins. People so put salt on their watermelon. Prunes. Yeah. That's not bad. No prunes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is definitely against policy. You know, everyone seems to get away with things, but whatever. They need to fix this. <laughs> and we have two pieces of news from Microsoft Advertising this week. First, responsive search ads. The artist formerly known as Bing Ads. Yes, that's Microsoft Advertising. Responsive search ads are now out of beta and available globally in all Microsoft Advertising accounts. So if you weren't special like me and part of the beta, now you have access to it. And two, like Google, they are now doing away with average position reporting in April. Instead, they're telling advertisers to refer to what they're calling prominence metrics. These are top impression share, Top impression share lost to rank, top impression share lost to budget, absolute top impression share, absolute top impression share lost to rank, and absolute top impression share lost to budget. You might want to cut that out. It was boring. <laughs> no, I'm leaving that in now. <laughs> so be ready for that, people. And next up, Google is introducing a parallel tracking for video campaigns. Not only are they introducing it, they're making it mandatory as of March 31st. Parallel tracking brings people directly to the landing page while measurement happens in the background, which decreases the load time of the landing page and leads to a better overall user experience. Whew, All good take things. A breath there, I know. <laughs> that was hard. <laughs> It's already mandatory for search, shopping, and display campaigns, and now it will be for video campaigns as well. If you need to learn how to set up parallel tracking, Matt Southern tells you just how to do it in the article, which we will link to in the show notes. So cool question as a Virginian. So something like, I just was thinking about Matt Southern. Mm -hmm. Is there Southern Virginia? No, there's Northern Virginia, okay. and then there's the rest of Virginia. Is there East Virginia? No, the so you eastern don't, you shore, don't refer the to it ocean. As that. Yeah. But you wouldn't say it's Western Virginia. No, West Virginia is a different state. It's I know. I'm just wondering, like within the state, how it's broken up because we say Western New York. Yeah, you wouldn't oh, in Northern Virginia. You would never say you live in Western Virginia. I really, I'm from Northern Virginia, but I think that's the only one that has like a direction in the name that's not West Virginia, which is a separate state. And next, Microsoft announced two new ad tools this week. The first isn't really new; it's Promote IQ, which we reported on them acquiring back in August. And this is similar to offerings from Amazon, Walmart, and Target, who offer ways for brands to offer ads on their sites. And the second is Bing for Commerce. And this uses AI for product search, personalization, and recommendations to improve site search and avoid site abandonment. Finally, in paid this week, really finally, Group <laughs> Nine, a US mobile video publisher that acquired Pop Sugar in 2019, announced the launch of their new e commerce product, Sparkle Ads. <laughs> the way you said that was so sassy. <laughs> what is Pop Sugar? Pop Sugar. Um, Isn't it about celebrities? Well, it's like everything. But I use their workout videos. Oh. Oh. What kind of videos do they have? They have like all different things. I sent just the other day, I was doing like a 30 minute bar workout for beginners. And then I give this what, is, uh, nine. studying for law? Like what are you doing? No, it's like a type of workout. B-A-R-R-E. Oh, like bear, like Wilkes Bear? Scranton. No, I don't know who that oh. is. But anyway, the recommendation <laughs> after was for a 90 minute, where is it, German? It definitely wasn't English. It, it might have been German or intense some Norwegian. German workout video with like really <laughs> intense music. And they had like a timer on the screen and it was crazy. 
and they weren't speaking English. Did you do it? No. <laughs> I, I want- it to Jess and sat in my bed. <laughs> did you do it? Jess, did you try it out? I did not, but I did scrub through it. And at like 58 minutes into this 90 minute thing, this guy was still smiling. He was having the best time of his life, just working it out and just happy as a clam. And, and I don't like know how they do it. like a warehouse. It was wild. Everyone was really enthused. Well, you got to send that. To- we got to put it in the show notes yeah. in case everybody out there is interested. <laughs> Okay, so do you want to know more about Sparkle Ads? Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about it at all, did we? (laughs) With this tool, brands will be able to run shoppable mobile ads on publisher sites that feature the products they sell on retail sites like Amazon and Walmart. Group 9 is also behind the media brands. Do you know any of these, Greg? The Dodo? Yeah, I've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Thrillist, Now This, and Seeker, but Sparkle Ads will be launching on PopSugar to start. Those Yay. names, a lot of names. You did a good, that was a lot of news, Chef. Thank you, listeners, for bearing with me. What is happening in Organic Jess? This week's Organic Lightning Round is brought to you by Ahrefs. Ahrefs makes competitive analysis easy. Their tools show you how your competitors are getting traffic from Google and why. You can see the pages and content that send them the most search traffic, find out the exact keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them rank. From there, you can replicate or improve on their strategies. If you're not getting significant search traffic, just head on over to Sparkle Ads. Oh, no, wait, sorry. (laughs) If you're not getting enough search traffic, Ahrefs tools also help to find topics worth creating pages or content on. You can easily see estimated search volumes, engage traffic potential with their Keywords Explorer tool. If you are getting search traffic, use features like their top pages report to break down which of your pages are bringing in the most traffic and figure out how you can replicate this success. Jess, how do you use Ahrefs? So I have a little twist on that last point there because you can use the top pages report for competitive research as well as what's happening on your own site. So it's kind of my go-to when I'm starting out looking at competitors because it does list out all of the top pages that are getting the most organic traffic on a site. And you can also see the keyword that is driving the majority of that traffic. You can also dig further if you want beyond that one keyword and get a list of all the terms that that page ranks for. And then you can obviously click in and explore those keywords, which we'll talk about at another time. It's pretty awesome. It can be eye-opening as well when you're looking at competitor stuff. You might think that you have an exhaustive list of search terms that you want to be ranking for on a site, but then you might see something crazy in there that your competitors are doing really well. And it's great for sniffing out new opportunities for yourself. And they have a seven-day trial for only seven bucks. 7 USD. <laughs> Head on over to Ahrefs, that is A-H-R-E-F-S dot com to sign up today. All right, Greg, what's happening in organic? Well, first off, the marketing platform provider HubSpot has added several key features into its marketing hub enterprise with the hope of trying to get more enterprise level folks. I mean, it, they did put it into the enterprise offering. So the new features include revenue attribution reporting, intelligent A-B testing. I like the name that they called it intelligent A-B testing because the worst A-B testing in the world was traditionally HubSpot's A-B testing. I have never seen a tool so unintuitive than HubSpot's A-B testing. You couldn't see which one wins. You, it, was, it was the worst possible thing. So anything would be a godsend. And I hope this intelligent A-B testing is intelligent. And you can also do partitioning and account-based marketing tools, among others. Next up, Google has begun rolling out their business provider program, a program that is going to replace the trusted verifier program that was recently terminated. This program will allow organizations like chambers of commerce or banks with small business clients facilitate a Google My Business verification for their members or clients. So it allows you to basically get those verifications on their behalf as long as you are a business provider. Interface looks simple. There's bulk upload, API access for code generation as well. It currently can be utilized by Street View trusted photographers as long as you are level six or above. And it is not available to any agency that actively manages listings or to any SEO. I know this because in the FAQ, they specifically state the proposed partner must not have access to the business listings they are verifying. Agencies, SEOs, and resellers are not eligible for this program. Also, the SEOs, I, I, I understand that you're saying that. Search engine optimi- optimizations, that's what that means. Yeah. I, thought, I didn't know it was optimizers. I hate it as a verb, and I hate it well, as a noun they about have a person. It, they have it as 
all caps SEO. And I get people say I'm an SEO. I just, I never, when you're saying agencies, SEOs, I don't lost. identify as one. No, no, I never will. Can you SEO my site though? <laughs> no. N-E-O. <laughs> it was a lot thought that the trusted verifier program was problematic. There was a lot of spam going on. And at the end of the article from Mike Blumenthal over at Blumenthal's.com, Western New York's finest, he stated, what could possibly go wrong? That's how I ended the article. <laughs> and the answer is going to be everything. Yeah, that's like in a movie. That's when you know something's going to go wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when Mike Blumenthal says that. <laughs> All right. And next up, Google has re- acquired the retail tech company Pointy. And Pointy had solved a problem that vexed startups for more than a decade, apparently. How to bring <laughs> small independent retailer inventory online. I thought that maybe Etsy, or eBay, or Shopify, or any of the other items out there. It's pointy. It was pointy. Google <laughs> bought it. All right, next up. And if you need help, there is a new Search Console training video series run by my former colleague at Search Engine Land, Daniel Wassenberg, and he has a video series on how to use Search Console. It's great. It's fun. Pretty straightforward. The one thing I didn't see about there is what you do when there's data outages. Just pray. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, next up, YouTube launches profile cards that show a user's comment history. We talked about this back in episode 88 where Shop goes around on YouTube commenting on Duggar videos all the time. (laughs) So now you'll be able to hover over a user and see their comment history, which is good if you could just identify somebody as an instant troll or maybe just an instant Duggar for life. Um. Shep totally brought up the Duggars at lunch today, <laughs> so she's still she's talking about it. She's obsessed with the Duggars. <laughs> I don't care that much about the Duggars. Just a little bit, okay? Okay, how many Duggars are there? Including the parents, including the grandkids? Just Duggars worldwide. There's 19 kids and counting. <laughs> how many names could you make? Could you get? I think a lot. Maybe that's very after Just name half Duggars. <laughs> Jedediah, Jeremiah. Oh, boy. Oh, that's... The- <laughs> All right, no comment. <laughs> this is the last thing I wanted people to know. <laughs> well, too bad. It's all over your YouTube profile card. And next up is the article from the one, the only, the highest position here at Marketing Collect, the BFF of the show, Glenn Gabe over at G Squared Interactive. He has an article about Google Safe Search and SEO and how to test if your site is being filtered and how to predict future filtering using the Vision API. And I had no idea that there was this cloud access that you can run a image through and get some quick assessments of whether or not an image could be considered adult, could be considered uh, trouble. There's all these different factors in there. But Glenn talks about what to do if a site has tripped that safe search filter, how site structure can actually help Google focus its safe search filtering, that if you are having any kind of unsavory content, there's adult meta tags, and then how to check and see if you can trip the filter if you are within safe search. So, again, this tool, and it'll be in the show notes, you put a photo into Google, and it will tell you if it's a spoof, if it's <laughs> medical, if it's violent, if it's racy, or if it's an adult. Hmm. So we, unfortunately, took a picture after our 100th <laughs> the episode. the worst day of my life. <laughs> a nice picture of us all and so nice in the picture you and hope yeah you and hope look like you're on america's next top model if you're sitting there smizing or something that's a nice stretch thank you and you're like you're like this is planning and shep and i are looking like buffoons on the end jumping in the air but anyway so the other interesting thing with this tool is it can pull out different faces and do face analysis oh, on that the tool sounds mean itself. It is mean because you're not going to like what happened here. What are going to say about my face? So I pulled up our faces. And again, you can head over to marketingclock.com and check it out. And face one was me. And I don't look very happy at all. But they took my face and said, joy, very likely. Sorrow, very unlikely. Anger, very unlikely. Surprise, just unlikely. Okay, so Jess and Hope's faces both had joy, very likely, sorrow, very unlikely, everything else very unlikely, pretty boring. Now, it gets to Shep. Joy, possible. Oh, my God. Instead of anger being very unlikely, the anger was just 
unlikely. And then surprise was likely. (laughs) (laughs) The worst part about this is now you're going to put it in the show notes and it's the worst picture. It's terrible. I look worse. I look like, like, like Mama June or whatever her name is. I, I don't look very <laughs> flattering in this. But if you want to check out Vision AI, you can do it on yourself. It is cloud.google.com forward slash vision. And you can throw an image in there and Google will tell you just how angry you are or how sh- angry Shep was. All right, was ne- angry. <laughs> She's angry now. <laughs> Next up, Verizon Media launches OneSearch, a privacy-focused search engine. You can manually toggle this privacy mode to off or on. If it's off, it returns a brighter interface. And Glenn Gabe on Twitter just said that this was Bing Search. So I don't know why anybody would use one search, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> all right. Bright Cove is launching an all in one video campaign app. Bright Cove is a leader in video, and they now have released Bright Cove Campaign, a video campaign app that lets marketers create, manage, and analyze their video demand generation campaigns all in one tool. There's new analyzation, analytics, and benchmarks that you can use to compare against industry standards. So if you're looking for a video platform to go with, maybe check out Bright Cove if it's enterprise. They've got some new stuff. Next up is a tweet from Google Analytics, and they say, new in Data Studio, you can transfer ownership of your Data Studio assets to somebody with a Google account using the manage access options in the sharing dialog. We'll put the link in the show notes, but the funny thing, if you actually click on the link that they put in there, it just takes you to a broken page. And and they could fix it because it's bit.ly, but I mean, they're probably not going to. (laughs) They have the link and then they say hashtag measure. Again, you go right to just a how we can help Google help page. So what a time to be alive. Yes. Next article comes from Barry Schwartz, and he says that Google confirms a bug with the unparsable structured data report in Search Console between January 13th and January 16th. Just another Google being Google here in 2020, keeping those bugs alive. And lastly, an article from Greg Jarboe over at SEJ. The article is called YouTube's Organic Visibility Taps Wikipedia in the Google SERPs. Kind of spoiler in the title name there. But he had the statement, when Search Metrics presented slide 14 in their 2019 SEO year-end review presentation, you could have knocked me over with a feather. And this is big. YouTube is getting more organic visibility in Google search engine results pages in the past two years and has now surpassed Wikipedia for the number one spot and weird that Google's now driving lots of traffic, the most traffic, the most visibility, let's say, to their own properties. Surprise, surprise. wonder why they do that. Anyway, that's it for Organic, Jess. What's going on in social? All right. First up, some new things are coming to LinkedIn. Uh, Live streaming, first of all, which was previously available to a select group of users, is now going wide. So all company pages will be eligible. The only thing is you do have to apply for access. Anyone can do it if you want in. There's a link in the article, so check the show notes. So live streaming is for everyone, but the next piece isn't. There is a new invite to follow option, which apparently existed before and they took it away and they've been testing changes with it, but it's not necessarily going to be available to everyone. There are a ton of restrictions as to which page admins can actually invite their connections to follow their company. From the looks of it, I think it's just about curbing abuse. So I think all of our listeners will probably be fine, but check it out. Um, And finally, they're adding a new toggle feature to LinkedIn that lets users select whether to post something as themselves or their company page. And it seems very similar to how you can do that on Facebook, but I think a lot less dangerous because you're already in business mode. I think when you're Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn, you're not going to accidentally post like screenshots of your mom's tipsy, you know, tipsy texts from last night as your business on LinkedIn. So it should be okay. I like that. I think that's useful and handy. And so check yourself. LinkedIn will help you with that. You're already in business mode. Sticking with LinkedIn here, eMarketer has adjusted its estimates for user growth on the platform because of new data from Microsoft and other sources. According to the new report, LinkedIn is growing faster than originally estimated and will exceed 62 million monthly users in the US right here in 2020. So good news for all those folks planning to produce some live video. And all those folks producing the business memes. (laughs) very important. (laughs) Got to get that reach. All right. Next, some interesting things are possibly in the works for Twitter. And I say possibly because there haven't really been any formal announcements from Twitter on this, but a couple things. Or no, a couple is two, right? I got three things to talk about. So first of all, quote, two people familiar with the company's decisions, end quote, have said that Twitter is considering tipping via tweet or basically an exchange of money via tweets. 
no formal news from Twitter on that, but it may be developing. Another rumor is something like a troll score could be coming that would essentially disincentivize being a butthead on Twitter. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Although I'm a fit, I, I am becoming a Google, at Google small biz troll on Twitter. You're doing a great job with it. It's so frustrating. <laughs> We've got an issue in dealing with Google ad support. It's so frustrating. And when they put out these happy-go-lucky messages like, we love you, it just makes my blood boil. Yeah. It's not It's not real. <laughs> no. It's just somebody <laughs> on the social media account, you know. Yeah, just I feel like they just gave it to like their 18-year-old intern fresh out of high it, school. It reminds me of the meme of that hate face with the with uh, smiley over the front of it, the rage face that's just... No idea what you're We'll have to put it in the show notes. But (laughs) that's me. It's Google (laughs) customer support is rage, and then there's a little happy face over the front of it. (laughs) Love it. So again, nothing um, serious there with the troll score. It just was kind of mentioned casually in an interview at CES. So... Who knows? But lastly, Twitter is, and this was something actually spotted in the wild by Matt Navarra at Matt Navarra on Twitter. Twitter is suggesting additional relevant accounts to add to your lists when you're viewing a list. So that's, you know, something possibly helpful coming to the platform. Again, no formal announcement, but we have seen it. There's a screenshot. Check the show notes. On the subject of things that are real, deepfakes are in the news again. Reddit has updated its guidelines banning deceptive misrepresentation, quote, particularly around issues of great public significance like elections. So that's all very serious and people are getting ahead of this. I think a lot of uh, folks have made changes like this to their policies in the last couple weeks, but I appreciate Reddit's sense of humor. They said, this does not apply to all deepfake or manipulated content, just that which is actually misleading in a malicious way, because believe you me, we like seeing Nick Cage in unexpected places just as much as you do. Hard eyes. (laughs) Did you see their link? They linked off to Nick Cage deepfakes. They did. I didn't even yes, click that. That, that was, it links right off to there. That's pretty good. I appreciate that not only do they have a sense of humor, but they're helping users discover new exciting content. And TikTok wants to do that as well, helping users discover new exciting content. That is, according to social media today, they're looking at adding a new highlights stream, they call it so far, which would display selected original videos from popular TikTok creators alongside content from professional publishers. So it's still being developed. There's not a lot of details on this one either, but it appears to be kind of like a safer place for advertisers because I guess there's been a lot of controversial stuff going on, which as a non-TikTok user, I didn't realize was a problem. I don't want to get into it. It's not very family friendly, but the article talks about some things that I really didn't know were going on i just thought that tiktok was kids like hope dancing dancing their butts off and having a good time (laughs) (laughs) hope's face she's like no i've seen the unsavory content who knows going back to that deepfake nick cage thing reddit says that they're not allowing content that impersonates individuals or entities in a misleading or deceptive manner i know it's fun because you can joke about nick cage but what if nick cage is like hey don't use me this way at the end of the day i get it you're funny you're making fun of nick cage and he's in all these different things and he's in the godfather and it's nick cage haha but it's it's a weird line that you're gonna they're gonna have to walk where Somebody just having fun. You know, yeah. are, are, are you bullying? Are you bullying Nick Cage at that point? Is and that it, a problem? That just makes point. me wonder if the photo of him and Kesha together this week was fake. Now, probably that doesn't sound like it really. She happened. posted it on her Instagram. All right, next up here, Pinterest has surpassed Snapchat as the third biggest social media platform in the U.S. in 2019. This is also according to eMarketer. Lots from them this week. So there's lots of stats if you're interested and you want to read up on it. It's no surprise, really, though, that Snapchat skews younger and Pinterest has users of all ages, which is why things are trending this way. They have a bigger user base. Like I said, no surprise, but it did surprise me. They had a stat in here that 3% of 0 to 11-year-olds are on Snapchat. 0 to 11-year-olds. These kids have phones. Is your baby on it? Not yet. I guess I got to get them a phone, but my family didn't even have like a cordless landline phone when I was in the 0 to 11 range. And these kids are out there snapping each other. That blows my mind. It's wild. The children. All right. Next up, don't get too excited because this is only a test, but Instagram DMs are coming to the website. That is Instagram.com. Not your mobile app, the website. Starting this week, a small percentage of users will be able to access their messages on the site. Why would I get excited about this? (laughs) I know it's a test. Good. Who cares? Who uses Instagram.com? I mean... 
not me and you as people, but I think as brands, people that are at work, that are sitting at their desk, that are managing accounts might want to see those DMs versus having to be on their phone. So I think that's exciting for them. I agree though. You and I, like, who cares? Good for them. Good for brands. I hope it goes wide. And so we're not all getting Instagram DMs on desktop yet, but we can look forward to a desktop redesign from Facebook this spring. They're describing it as fresh and simple with changes that include what Matt Southern at Search Engine Journal calls mobile app-like navigation menus. So I call that honey, get on the Bing bar and find me the old Facebook website because I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like this might be one of those things where they oversimplify it. And unfortunately, the older users on Facebook might not know what to do. It's kind of... Those are all the users these days. They are, right? I mean, everybody's grandparents are on Facebook now. Except those zero through 11 year olds. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're on Snapchat. (laughs) All right. Switching gears here. Grindr, OkCupid, and Tinder have been accused of selling user data. The Norwegian Consumer Council conducted an analysis of data traffic from a whole bunch of apps and found that several of them shared location data with partners. OkCupid was extra bad. They they shared highly personal data about sexuality, drug use, political views, and more with an analytics company. So there's been a lot of hubbub, obviously, with the CCPA and then back in the day with GDPR, and I've been rolling my eyes at it, kind of. But now I'm starting to get it. If these apps are really out there selling information like that and not telling anyone, I get why that's bad. And I don't personally care. It wasn't just dating apps either, guys. It was like health apps. So if somebody... Oh, no. Yeah, there's a lot of information that you put out there, like, you know, your heart rate, cholesterol, when you're ovulating... I mean, some people care if analytics companies Mm -hmm. know this about them. Although, as an advertiser, I appreciate the marvelous targeting opportunities that you could have with this data. But again, only if people consent to sharing that Mm -hmm. because that's really not cool. Moving on. We're almost done here, I promise. Fans of using Boomerang on Instagram stories will be excited to learn about some new features that are out now in the Instagram app. They've announced the addition of three new video modes, including slow-mo, which is fun, and also the ability to trim and tweak your boomerang. So this is great for users, but especially for brands, gives you a little bit more control when building out your stories and that making that final clip really what you want. Do people still use boomerang help? Yes, she says. Yeah. <clears throat> Gen Z says yes. Okay, boomerang. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Last year in the lightning round, something else lovely for brands, Facebook is adding a new page management history tab in page settings. Long story short, basically a change history log for your Facebook page. You can see the changes made, who they were made by, and when. So this is coming to all pages, but it's still rolling out. So be patient. If you don't see it yet, you will soon. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. Shep, what's been happening with your accounts lately? So I love that you can import from campaigns from Google Ads into Bing. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm so appreciative. Into Bing? What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. Microsoft (laughs) advertising, the platform formerly known as Bing Ads. Wow, that was so bad. I haven't done it in a while. Okay. But I just have a little idea for how they could make it easier Because when you're doing it on the web interface, I control F sometimes to try to look for like what I need, the box I need to check, like landing page URL or whatever. But when you're doing it on Microsoft Advertising Editor, you can't do control F and it's really hard to find things sometimes and everything's hidden and you have to expand it. I think they should have a little search tool on there. That would be nice. Yeah, just some free advice. All right, for me this week, I was trying to set up an experiment in one of my remarketing campaigns in Google Ads, and I kept getting an error that just said unable to create experiment, which I didn't appreciate. So I had to do some digging because it didn't really give me any reasons why or any clues. And there's a bunch of reasons why this could happen to you. But what I found out, which is definitely the case for me, you cannot set up experiments for campaigns that use audience targeting unless those audiences have 10,000 plus in them which definitely was not me. And so I cannot create an experiment with these campaigns. I just have to test things live, which is a huge bummer. Not cool. I did not know that. I didn't either. It was like hidden at the bottom of a help list somewhere. So thanks a lot, Google. (laughs) Greg, what about you? All right, for me, I've been using a metric that I typically don't use, and it's really nice from Google Ads for shopping campaigns specifically. I use Benchmark Max CPC a lot when trying to compare where my bids are, but I've been... Trying to, we we kind of got a, an account into shape and then are taking that kind of next swipe of optimizations. And I've been using the benchmark product price 
difference metric. And what this does, it's a, it's a beta metric, but it is the percentage difference between your product's average product price and the associated benchmark product price. So if you are very competitive on a product, you'll be able to see that. And if you're too high, you'll be able to see that as well. So it can help to look at where you're spending money. And if you're spending a lot of money on things that your price isn't really aligned to be competitive, you can notify, notice that and maybe bid down, look at adjusting price, but take a look at it and also find things that you just have a great price on and you might want to get more traffic from. So check that out. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> just get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. This week's WTH comes to us courtesy of Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't think that name has ever been uttered on the show before. So GP was asked in an interview with CNBC, make it if she would consider selling Goop products on Amazon. And for those of you that don't know, Goop is her high-end beauty, fashion, wellness, and home products line. And they sell other people's products on the site, and they also sell Goop's in-house line of dietary supplements, skincare, and clothing, which is the company's fastest-growing revenue stream. So basically, she answered the question by saying, no, she would not be selling Goop products on Amazon. She said, one of the most special things about Goop is it is mostly direct to consumer. We choose the channels carefully. That special. You should run if you hear somebody say that. <laughs> <laughs> the special thing is that you talk to the consumer. Sounds like you're hiding something. And then she goes mm. on to say that they will sell through Sephora, but not Amazon. You know why? Because there's reviews on Amazon. <laughs> Anybody in the right mind that had a product that was good, that wanted to, to sell more product, would go on Amazon. This is a huge red flag. For anybody that's like, I don't think the channel's good for us. It's the biggest channel in the world, and you have consumer products. Yeah, I just think, I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but there's a lot of stuff about Goop that makes me a little worried. Yeah. So this doesn't really surprise me. And yeah, we Wait. have, an, <laughs> we have yeah. an example of here about their um, vitamin kit called Why Am I So Effing Tired? <laughs> <laughs> and that was like the most safe for work thing that they had on the site. Really? I didn't yeah. even check anything out. Oh, it's very NSFW. And until they got into that crazy lawsuit, I know they didn't have any doctors working there. So like, <laughs> not a good look. Yeah, if you could, if you had doctors You're reviewing it pills. on Amazon, that wouldn't be good. Don't take those pills. <laughs> just a pack of pills. Why am I so effing tired? Why am I so effing dumb that I'm taking pills from Goop? <laughs> I don't know what's in it. The doctors didn't make. And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners, and is really really cool. This week's cool tool is the LinkedIn text formatter from linkedin-makeover.com. It does exactly what the name implies. If you want to jazz up your LinkedIn with italics, bold text, or underlining, the tool uses Unicode symbols to give you text that you can copy and paste back into your profile or posts. And this isn't anything special. Well, no. There's like a, a dearth of tools coming out. This week. Everybody's just working on them. We're waiting for the new tools coming after the new year. It's pretty simple. Yeah. It's very simple. And you can use it, but you just literally type in what you want in their little interface and gives you something that you can paste in. There are a few caveats though, because it is Unicode. So definitely read the article associated with the tool before you get started. We've got the link in our show notes, or you can head over to linkedin-makeover.com and find the text formatter in their free resources section. And just because now you know how to do bold on LinkedIn doesn't mean your entire post should be bold. When everything's bold, nothing is bold. Exactly. Greg it's like caps lock. <laughs> now it's time for our must read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. All right. And our must-read marketing article of the week comes from Elena Petrova over at SEMrush, SEMrush, a.k.a. Smush. And the article is called The Anatomy of Top Performing Articles, Successful versus Invisible Content. And I guess this actually came out last month and I didn't catch it, but this is phenomenal and we have it as the article this week. She talks about what makes articles stand out, the length, H1 tag length, how-tos, questions, guides, studies, heading depth, the presence of lists. And the best thing about this is she has 
it's a pretty big task to say top performing articles. Here's the anatomy. This article is beautiful. There's visuals in it. It's broken up. It's not one big infographic that you'll miss if you don't download it. It is how everybody should be making articles in 2020. So thank you, Elena. All right, that does it for today's show. Thank you to Ahrefs and Optio, our fantastic sponsors. And if you're looking for another great podcast, don't miss this week's episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. This week it was Travis Wright from Wright IMC. He talks about SEO, how he built his biz. He backs up my plan for everybody harnessing their inner Donnie Deutsch a little bit with their sales <laughs> and he even had a good tale, well, a bad tale, but interesting tale about how he was working at American Airlines in crisis management after 9-11. So it's a worthwhile listen. Check it out. The SEJ Show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Heck, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore, we just shoot the heck. This week, we're playing everybody's favorite episode, Bing Knowledge Panel, where we pull information and it's a quiz of what Bing says about a celebrity. Last time we played romance, this time it's either going to be age or height, and I make the choice and you give the answers. Shep, you're up first. Do you have to be spot on? No, but it's closest. Okay, so you're just going to decide. Okay. Yes. Gwyneth Paltrow. Of goop fame, <laughs> how old is she? 47. Oh, 48. Oh. It's 47. <laughs> I'm really oh. good at ages. Now that I said that, I I'll get like others wrong. But I'm, okay, well then I'm here. One nothing. Height. 47. Gwyneth? Yes. Five, nine. Hope you lost again. Two nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm not even getting a chance. I'm actually, this is a good game for me. Okay. I'm terrible at this. Everybody's <laughs> favorite bachelor Reality star. Juan Pablo Galvis. Okay, that's harder. Age. Hope you're first. 38? Shep, you just lost. Three Wow, we guesses. keep getting spot on. Okay, Are well, you serious? I was right? Yes. Just oh. would not be this good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Height. I'm not going to get height though. I'm 5'7". So, Congrats. 5'9"? Uh, 6 flat. Shep, you won. It's 5'11". Okay. So it's three to one. So I I thought it was shorter than that. But Okay, next up, Rob Kardashian. Age? Age. Um, okay. He's, he's the third. youngest. Or he's the youngest. He's he's a, don't give him, don't give her hints about him. He's the youngest him. out of the sisters. 35. Well, let me think, let me think. No, he's got to be older than that, right? Chloe's not 40. Oh, yeah, that's true, that's true. I shouldn't be helping you. 30. Four. Hope wins. 32. Oh, man. I just right. did strategic there. And height for Rob Kardashian. His sisters are short and tall. I'm going to say Rob Kardashian is 5'11". They're not really that tall. Chloe is. She <laughs> might not be related. Um, wow. You heard it here <laughs> first, folks. Right, I'm just going to go strategy. 5'10". Correct. Okay, it's a tie game. 3-3. Three, three. Next up, Kate Gosselin. Oh, my God. Oh, Kate I can't picture her. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to say Kate Gosselin is 46. Okay. Hope. Oh, is she in that show? You could win this. You said 46? Mm-hmm. 47? Shep wins. 44. Oh, man. Only 44. And then height, Shep. 5, 8. Hope. 5, 9. Shep wins. 5, 4. Five, four. Go in the wrong direction. Oh, she's a little lady. All right, so it's five to three, Shep. And lastly, we're going to go with Shep's favorite person, Jim Bob Duggar. <laughs> so, I you going to say Taylor Swift. You get the first crack at Jim Bob over here. <laughs> what is Jim Bob Duggar's age? 50? Shep? 55. I should Shep have said 51. Wins. 54. So Shep has won the game. <laughs> How, How did she win? She went over. That's not fair. Is a lot of children, and it's the first time I've ever seen a plus after the children listed, <laughs> and there's not enough space for height. So, Shep, you're the winner, <laughs> and we will see you next week.